This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. All right. Whitney, <laughs> sorry, I'm already laughing about it. Just noticing everyone, this is a podcast, but we do have video. So I can see Whitney sitting here and I notice you're not in your normal surroundings normally when I am here. You are at your desk. What do you see behind me? My daughter's little tutu. Hanging on her <laughs> yeah, I, I see a tutu. My, I see an exercise. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm in my basement. There just happens to be a table down here. (laughs) Both my office chair and my office desk broke within seven days of each other. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, I can't make this up. (laughs) So my office is in disarray for hopefully... What I need to fix these things will be here this week, so hopefully not much longer. <laughs> I mean, it's not too bad. Like, you're actually – so for my background, you can't really see anything, actually, but – Oh, it looks good. There's some beautiful art behind you. Yeah, what I can see – actually, funny story. That is not – I mean, it is pretty, but that just came in the frame. This is laziness <laughs> 101. I, <laughs> I bought the frame. I was like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I just, just put it on the wall. So we were just going for easy wins in this house. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, just a ray all around, always. <laughs> and this podcast recording was only rescheduled once, which I think is pretty good. That is but pretty every good. time every time we record, there's at least one reschedule. At least one. There was one podcast that never happened. I had to reschedule so many yeah. times that mm-hmm. it just had to move. I forward. said, I'm just gonna keep I'm gonna keep going without you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things, right? So Colin, my son's in daycare now, and we just started in early June. So we are in, I know parents listening, you know exactly what we're in. We are in the summer of sickness. Yep. So I get a couple days at a time and it's like clockwork. Like I laughed at myself so much when I had to text you last week to reschedule again because I was like, of course, like, of course I'm rescheduling again. Yes. <laughs> like there was no <laughs> chance it was going to happen. <laughs> well, I have a toddler as well. And somehow we got two years without an ear infection, but that's only because pandemic and no daycare. That's the only reason. Yeah. And yeah. now since she got one, she's had like five. So we are yeah. in ear infection city as well. Yeah. I like I knew it was coming, but I was I was not prepared. We were just at home for so long and he'd only had one cold ever. <laughs> then we started taking care. Yep. <laughs> and now it's just exactly. like, just a permanent gross, just like snail trails and boogers on my shirt <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so to officially begin, hello everyone. <laughs> Yes. Hello. Welcome to Masters in Travel. <laughs> I'm your host, Whitney, and here with me today is Kate Thomas. We specifically are going to chat about how we do it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope everyone brought a notebook. All right. We've got the stuffs. 
We have all of the secrets. We have some magical concoctions. Yes, we're ready. I mean, as I'm here with my giant coffee in hand, I'm just ready, ready for the day. Kate, as always, thank you so much for joining. I cannot turn off my sarcasm for this. If anyone knows me, I tell everyone that sarcasm is my love language. So <laughs> if I'm not giving you a hard time, you should be concerned. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm ha- thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So this, we decided to have this conversation because it seemed like in very similar seasons and very similar time periods, both Kate and I are getting messages on a weekly, if not multiple times a week basis of other people just saying to us, I don't know how you do it all, or you're just, you're doing so many things. How do you do it? And I'll speak for myself, but like those comments for me don't bring up like, yes, I am conquering the world. Like (laughs) when someone says that to me, my brain immediately goes to all the things that I'm not doing and that I feel like I'm failing at. And so it's, it's like this, this type of, I guess people generally see it as like a compliment of like, wow, it really seems like you're, you know, you're getting, you're doing all these amazing things and it doesn't feel like a compliment when I'm receiving it. And I know that that's about me, but like, how does it feel for you? So similar feelings. I almost, it's like I, I crack up a little internally, like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> What's that, that, that trending audio where it's like, oh no, someone lied to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's my kind of like a gut reaction. And then I also feel it's, for me, it's tinged with a bit of guilt where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, have I led you to believe that I am doing it all or whatever. And especially in, you know, the, the, the way things are now where it's like, we mostly show up on Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody, Mm -hmm. everybody knows social media is a highlight reel and both me and I know you too, like try to show up in a way that's very like authentic and open. And I try to be transparent. And then I'm like, Oh, did I not do that? Well, did I only show the good parts? Yeah. I think you do it well, but also maybe I talk with you on a more regular basis. Like I'm getting the podcast rescheduling text messages. So, so like I know I know that there's a lot going on behind the scenes and it's and it's the same for me. I mean, I'm I still every time I I put my hair up, I'm like the higher the bun, the more I get done. That's what Kate yeah. says. <laughs> Yeah, this is our mantra. <laughs> Shout out to Jenna Dakin. I don't know if she'll ever hear this, but if you guys remember Jenna from being the details darling, like she said that to me once and I was like, this is, yeah, I was like, this is what I live by. <laughs> it's really sticky. It's really sticky. This topic in general kind of has brought up a lot of feelings for us, I think, of just like, are we portraying the wrong message? Because we're certainly not doing it all. But also, I think we all know social media is a highlight reel. I think we all know you shouldn't ever compare yourself to anyone unless you know the full story. So maybe let's just peel this back a little bit, one layer of the onion at a time. If somebody really saw into our lives, into your life behind the scenes, what would they see both in terms of how you're being professionally and personally supported in order to do what you are doing as an entrepreneur? So what we would see right now is actually my strategy has been less on outside support and more on taking away. I'll get it off of my plate. It doesn't have to be done. But what it looks like in my personal life is we started daycare. That's the big one, right? Like Mm -hmm. some support to help 
watch Colin help raise him while I get something done, anything done for once. That's the biggest thing. You know, obviously my husband is really supportive and we have a very equal partnership. So that makes a big difference at home. And yeah, so otherwise professionally, it's just me for North and Leisure formally. Like I don't have employees or a VA at the moment. But what I do have is partnerships with peers. So my strategy has become in the last year, at least over a year now, coming up on two years of more of a peer-to-peer strategy where I will give business to people I trust when I can't take it on. And Mm -hmm. we have worked out deals on that on the background So it's essentially just a referral lead, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've trialed many different ways of of that. Some I've done some where I am working more closely, like where both me and a colleague are like both in on a trip. And I've done some where it's just a full hand off. So that's still like in motion, right? Still practicing that. That's my biggest thing as far as professionally, because pre-pandemic and pre-baby, I had an employee and what I was envisioning was I had an employee, I had VAs. I was envisioning a me top line and then me delegating out. And then of course, pandemic happened, that all changed. And what I found for myself as far as like, I just couldn't take on the bandwidth. Like that's a huge amount of bandwidth to manage someone to delegate out the work, to create those systems, and then creating a feedback loop so that you are getting them up to speed and uh, at a point in training where you trust. And I just don't, I don't have it. I don't have the bandwidth. I just, I can't, like mentally, I cannot get my head around it. So I had to go a different direction, which was, I need someone I trust who already knows what to do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So on my side, very similar. I don't have daycare yet, but that will start in September and it cannot get here fast enough. <laughs> <Cut> <laughs> out. I have like a, a, you know, like those paper chains for Christmas for like yes. when Aurora starts daycare. It's not, it's like a preschool, but whatever. <laughs> I, that's going to be good for her and for I, which is why she needs the engagement. I need the time. It's going to be yeah. a win, win, win. Not only do I also have a very, very equal partnership with my husband, he also works from home. So while that is sometimes stressful that we're both here and we're both running around and trying to have our calls and do all of our things, it also means that if I'm ever recording a podcast or if I'm on a call for the Masters in Travel community, that means my husband is with my daughter. Yeah, And that means that I probably handed, we probably switched five minutes before the call started. And then as soon as it's over, I'm going to take her back and he's going to go for his call. So it's like having an equal partnership and also that we're both at home We're literally just like high-fiving in the kitchen every one or two hours. You go for your call. I go for my call. I'm going to run to the grocery store. Okay, we're going to go to the library. You know, like that's really what you would see if you would like spend a day in our house, which is like sometimes makes me feel like a badass because I'm like, look at at how we're managing (laughs) this. And other times it is really exhausting, you know? And then I just, I live close to family. So, you know, like I have, there are people to help for an afternoon here and there. And that just, it, it's a total game changer. I mean, yeah. it, it's a total, total game changer. So I have support in my personal life. You know, like I used to live in Los Angeles where I had no friends and family nearby. I couldn't do half of what I do just yeah. simply for that reason. And my husband wasn't working from home at that time. So like, I, oh my gosh, 
I can't even imagine, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I do have an assistant that supports my my travel business. And, you know, I do have a podcast editor. So I used to spend three hours per episode editing. Oh, gosh. Bless. And I don't do that anymore. I just like zip that yeah. off to an editor and she sends it back to me a few days later. And so like I do have support, you know, going on behind the scenes. So I think it's it's just really important for me to just be like honest and open about that, that we yeah. might look like we're doing it all, but either we're doing more than you think we're doing or we're not doing it alone. No. We have a lot of support. Yeah, we have a lot of support. And yeah, when, as you were talking, it made me even realize. So for us, daycare is part-time. That's three days a week. But my husband, he can work from home two days a week flexible. So we get to choose what those days are. And it does, it makes a huge difference because yeah, he's covered for me when we've recorded in the past, or if one of us needs to run out and get something, if he's working from home, it's so much easier, you know, to like pop out and run an errand at lunch or whatever. And not having that commute back home is a big time save too. So you can, I can hand off Colin earlier and go get something done. So yeah, it makes a, a huge difference in the day. Yeah. So that's part of what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that another part of it, Kate, this is, these are your words, is that you and I are now benefiting from and working with seeds that we planted many, many years ago. And I like scribbled that down as soon as you said it, because (laughs) I was just like, whoa, that is such an eloquent way to articulate that. So tell me more about what you mean by that. Yeah. So, you know, what am I, was it 2022? I started in the industry. God, I don't want to math. 2009-ish, eight, nine-ish. So over a decade ago, I was putting in the work that is benefiting me right now and allowing me to do less in this season because I was spending so much time I mean, my my origin story has been out there on pods so many times, so I won't go into the details of it. But I used to work, I was an employee, right? And then I went out on my own. And that benefited me because I was able to learn the job in and out. And there's no there's no situation in a in any travel business office where you have time on your hands <laughs> to do anything right. else. You yeah. are just you know, you're it's just that applied practice, like again, 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 again. So you know, I was able to learn the job and then I left and started out on my own. And that gave me the freedom to learn the business, learn how to run a business mm-hmm. because uh-huh. I already knew how to job, but I didn't know how to run a business. So I had time to build that up. And I mean, I haven't been, I haven't actively marketed in a couple of years now. I have been pulling back in this season and I still get leads consistently. And that is because of the work I put in before. So I'm still, you know, still harvesting off of the work from those early days. Yeah. I would say I can kind of ditto a lot of that, that I haven't, I'm doing bare, bare minimum marketing. There is a newsletter going out. I'm not writing it. And so that means it's, it's not 100% like I would like it to be, but it's going out. So it's like, okay, check (laughs) social media. Like guys, go look at my Instagram. It's ridiculous. I don't think anything's been on there in months. You know, it's not, it's not like a positive scene over there, but I still have leads coming in very, very consistently. And that is not like, oh, you're so lucky. No, stop that. That is the work that you and I did at the beginning. Yeah. And we are still building on that. And that is still building and growing. And so I think that what can be hard sometimes is when you look at someone 
who is doing something in business that you portray to be a step ahead, whether it is or not, because yeah, none of us really have a peek behind the scenes. I think there's a lot being portrayed out there that isn't necessarily reflecting yes. facts. Yeah. First, like make sure that you're even comparing yourself apples to apples, right? And sometimes you can't do that, but just like ask a few extra questions <laughs> to make sure that what you're striving for is realistic. But then just remember, like there is no shortcut to yeah. business. You have to do the work. So I, I think we hear that so often, but Kate, you kind of mentioned like you worked in an agency and you are literally just doing what you need to do day in and day out, serving clients, answering the phone, planning trips, getting the book. You are just like a little machine when you're in an agency, yeah. right? Yeah. And for me, when I think back to my first three years in business, doing the work for me as a as an individual travel advisor, starting their own business with basically no network and no connections, because I had been living outside of the United States for more than a decade. Yeah. Doing the work for me looked like going to marketing events, not marketing, networking events. Yeah. Where I didn't know a single soul and sometimes coming home and not even having had the opportunity to bring up what I do in life or yeah. being able to offer a business card. Like, I mean, the number of networking events I drove home, I'm just thinking like, that was a waste of time. <laughs> but the truth is, is you just never know what's going to come from that. And yeah. I can still trace back my biggest little referral bubble that I currently still work with on a regular basis. I can trace it back to one stupid networking event where I didn't meet anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It really makes a difference. And you, it's just like you said, you're not going to know which one's Mm going to be the thing. When I left my old job, I was living in Northern Virginia at the time and started my business. I was very clear, like, oh, I need to like pound the pavement. I need to get out and about. And Mm -hmm. at the time, I, I don't even think I was on Instagram. I can't even remember if Instagram was I think it was a thing. I'm not sure. Facebook was big back then, but I didn't know anything about social media marketing, digital marketing in any way. And my market was, you know, travel advisors. So I got on Google. I looked up every single agency, like within an hour or so drive. And then I called all of them. I showed up with cookies and a smile. I was, I look back and like, I was so naive, but like at the same time, it worked. That's all you had to. I solely a sales call is always just building relationships, right? So yes. I didn't. I didn't have a pitch. I didn't have a slide deck. I didn't have anything. I was like, let's talk about you know if this works and if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's fine. And we would just like sit and have have conversations. And that's where and that wanna, is the work. That that is that is you building your business, driving around with cookies, having lovely conversations over some tea and coffee. Yeah, that's doing the work. That was it. And one of those meetings was where I met Heather who we would later go on to, first of all, huge for my business. Heather's very connected in the industry and we hit it off right away. She was constantly referring me out and we would later go on to found Travel Per Theory together. So yeah, you had no idea. Like I did not know when I called, called the agency and when I showed up that, you know, that relationship would be, you know, be one of the most pivotal business relationships and personal relationships in my life. It's like, so you don't know which is the one. Yep. 
Because there was also uh, other ones where I'm like, I don't remember who I saw or who I talked oh, to, and it was yeah, nothing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm glad that you reminded me that as as an advisor, it's not only the networking where you might find a potential client, it's also the professional networking. And yes. so I was also attending the Millennials and Travel events because I was living in LA, so they had events there. And I was attending just supplier luncheons and you know these types of events. Basically, I was going to anything I was invited to just to make yeah. professional connections as well as personal connections. And that has continued to serve me well. I mean, last in May, going to Greece, I reached out to someone who I met in Los Angeles six years ago, like a supplier. And she's no longer in, even in the same position, but it yeah. doesn't matter because we have stayed connected and she, she still remembers me as this brand new advisor coming in for a site inspection. <laughs> Yeah. Those relationships, they do, they last so long. Like even as you're saying that, I can think, so even from my previous job before I had to go on my own, like I had all these relationships with the hotels, right? Across Ireland and across the UK, my my strongest relationships were in Ireland and they move hotels all the time. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I've been I've been working with this person since they worked here. They worked here, <laughs> they'll work here or they... Even right now, someone that I worked with at a hotel in Cork for a long time was part of the opening of a new hotel and like reached out and was like, hey, I'm moving here. You know, here's our rates. How can we work together? And mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything. It was based on everything from before. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that this this doing the work part is, it's not sexy. It's not no. always fun. I mean, some people really, it really fills their cup to go do all of these. For me, it absolutely drains it. Like I couldn't manage yeah. more than one networking thing per week because I would just come home just so like, oh, I need to recover yeah. for three days, you know, <laughs> like, but you can't not do it. If you want to build a business, you have to get yourself out there in whatever way you find that works for you. And you have to make connections both personally yeah. and professionally. And a lot of what you and I are doing today, I would go out on a limb to say we're doing it two or three times faster than we were five or 10 years ago, because not only have we done the work and we've created all these connections and we've met all these suppliers and we're building our repeat and referral client business, repeat clients are quicker and easier and faster to work with because we know them. Repeat suppliers are, are quicker, easier and faster to work with because we know them. We know that destination so we can plan it quicker and faster. And so doing the work for me, when I think back, it's sometimes about the networking and building the relationships and the time that that truly takes, like that should be considered part of your job. That if you are, if you have been in business for less than five years, that is part of your job description. Get out there. And the second part is I have already planned 10 trips to Portugal where I invested a tremendous amount of time researching, learning about yeah. suppliers, learning about all the different hotels, building the Travify library items, figuring out what budget is feasible and what's not. I've, I've done the work to research and invest all my time and energy into that destination. So now the Portugal proposal going out of my inbox today, it was done faster than ever Yeah, because I've put in the work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's all of that pounding the pavement. And even as you were like describing it, it's like, this is the work, this is what you do early on. And which is what we both did early on is leading to our success. None of it is shiny. None of it is pretty. None of it is polished. None of it is this cool new method to go viral and a trending. (laughs) It's nothing. It's just like, it's just showing up and, and like person to person making, building a relationship, seeing who you hit it off with 
And those relationships will be the ones that propel you throughout the industry. So even when you're in seasons of you're killing it, it's your best year ever, or when you're in seasons when like you need some some space and some downtime and personal life is taking up a bigger part of your day-to-day, you can still rely on those relationships. And when you were talking about the, you know, the planned several trips to Portugal too, it's the same for me. So on the supplier side, like obviously I've, I've planned I don't even know, however many trips to Ireland, countless trips to Ireland. I know. So if I get a request, I can like immediately assess, okay, I can get this done and close it up and put a pin on that in like within the week, or this is going to need a little bit more. I need some outside assistance on this. I'm going to need someone else to take the lead on this. Whereas like, but this one over here, okay, I'm looking at what they're asking for. I know which hotels I'm going to go to. I know that they always confirm immediately and I'm not going to have to chase. So I'm not going to have that extra elements of work. It's like, it really is that experience of knowing I can do this quickly or this is going to take more time than I'm, mm-hmm. than, than what I'm, what I have right now. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you can make that assessment right away of whether it's a yes or no. Yeah. yeah or just absolutely. setting managing expectations on the turnaround time. Yeah, exactly. So managing those expectations of, okay, this is what it's going to look like and giving yourself enough time to actually do it yourself. Or, and I think the flip side of this is you do have to put in the work on setting yourself up for success in terms of hiring support, if that's where you're going and training, because it's not like you're going to bring someone on and then immediately be able to give them stuff. Like that's a process. Or if you do the flip side and do more like what I'm doing and have sort of a referral network where we all Mm -hmm. talk to each other, then you can like, it's still a work in progress of like, is this going to go smooth? How's the pass going to go? What's their experience? Is this someone I trust to like give a client to? And so it it takes some time on setting up the infrastructure. I think it's good to set up some sort of system, whatever that looks like for you, to handle the leads that you cannot take in any given moment. Sure. Sure. So if for advisors who are not there yet of having an overabundance Mm. of leads or, and I shouldn't even say like you might be handing off leads in year one because you're doing really, really well and staying focused and you know that that's not the right lead for you. So you're right that setting up that system of who am I handing off to? How is it working? Do they charge a fee? Do I make the introduction? You know, all of those, those things take time and they are a distraction. Set that up now. But for those advisors who are in this season of doing the work, I remember how painful that was for me because I just, I just wanted to be making money. I mean, I just, I really enjoyed what I was doing and I just wanted to make some darn money, you know, to, you know, like pay the bills and to be able to travel and to, you know, just be able to like do what you got to do in life. So, I mean, what would you say to advisors who are like really in the thick of this season right now doing the work? Just to keep going and to stay, it's the focus. It is the focus. That is what will set you apart. That is what makes the difference. It is being in those early years when you don't have an abundance of leads and still turning down something that is not a fit yes. for, for what you're focusing on. You have to know that like, yes, some advisors come in and they're very successful right off the bat. That's not typical. That is not the typical no, experience. it's not. It takes time to build. So knowing that that's part of the process, expect that it will be slow, expect that you will fail early and often, and that's a good thing. That's part of the process. That is something all of us who have gotten to success in the industry have gone through. 
And so that's the journey. That's There's the breadcrumbs. Follow and go mm-hmm. towards them. And then don't let yourself be, you know, shiny object syndrome in your downtime because you will have a lot of downtime. You will have so much yes. space in seasons of your life and you're going to think, oh, maybe I should also do this. But every time you're trying to launch a quote unquote side hustle, which it's not a side hustle, it is another business. It is a side full-time job. It is a side. <laughs> that is a distraction. Job. Yeah. <laughs> it, then you will be distracted, right? So you, you'll get all excited, you'll get into it, and then you suddenly forget about the thing that you were building and you start mm-hmm. building something else. And if you keep starting to build something new, none of them get finished. Exactly. So you just have to pick the one that you want to stick with and, you know, love the one you're with. Keep it. <laughs> and whenever you feel the urge to get distracted, so for me, distraction in my early years looked like, oh, I hear groups are lucrative. I'm going to launch a group river cruise in Europe. And I had never been on a river cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me looking back at myself, I just want to like kind of smack her. Like, what? Come, <laughs> sit down. Sit down and be quiet. And then I tried to launch a group more like FIT itinerary to go to Day of the Dead in Mexico, which I have been talking about going to Day of the Dead for about six years. I'm sure my husband (laughs) and his family are just either do it or be quiet (laughs) because that's where they're from in Mexico. I've been 65 times, just not during Day of the Dead. And so I tried to launch this incredible group, custom design group itinerary that no one signed up for. You know why? Because I had never been there. I couldn't talk about it from personal experience. I didn't have a, a large enough book of business in that a small percentage of them would say, yes, my book of business was too small. So a small percentage meant zero. I just, I I learned so many things from that experience. But when I look back now, I realized that was a distraction. Yeah. I had no business planning those types of trips because I didn't have the experience nor the book of business to do that type of project. And it was a distraction because the time and the energy that I spent both designing those itineraries marketing, like making graphics and web and pages on my website to like talk about it and to figure out pricing and all of that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. you know, getting on social media and announcing and launching and, and doing all of these things to then kind of quietly fading into the background of, oh yeah, nobody signed up. We're not doing this. Yeah. Imagine that's just one example of my distractions. And I could go on for six podcasts about all the ways that I was distracted in my first few years. Yeah. Imagine if that time and energy had been reinvested back into my business of getting organized, building systems and learning about the destinations that I really wanted to promote and sell or, you know, whatever, working in my business and on my business and not being distracted with these side projects that turned into nothing. Yeah. Oh, what a game changer. Yeah. I mean, I did the same thing. I put together a group at one point that was like, but I didn't know how to market. I did it before I knew how to market. It was a great itinerary. That's easy. That's what we do well. <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, a good lesson that I think a lot of us learn where I was like, oh, yeah, it's not a if you build it, they will come. It is a oh, you ha- yeah. have to have a client <laughs> a client base yeah. and people to market to. <laughs> I mean, in the vast majority of conversations that people come to me, whether it's over Instagram DM or in conversation or wherever, and they say, hey, I have this idea. Like, what do you think about this? Yeah. I would say 90% of the time, my response is don't get distracted. Great idea. Yeah. Don't get distracted. This isn't what you should be focusing your time and energy on right now. This is a great idea. Like come back to it in two years when your book of business and your travel business is on a solid foundation and things are running smoothly and you're turning around 
and closing sales faster than ever and your repeat and referral business is driving the force. This doesn't mean no forever. This means right now is not the time you're getting distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down and focus. (laughs) Sit down and focus. That's it. That's it. And I would say, yeah, I agree. When I hear a lot of it in my DMs, it also, it definitely has an element, which I totally understand, especially in those early years when you're not necessarily like making the income that you need to be making it yet. It has a definite element of like, this seems like it'll be easy and make money. And the thing is, none of it is easy. Nothing. None of it. There is no idea that you're going to come to me and I'll be like, oh, that's that's so easy. You should definitely do that. Yeah, you should (laughs) totally do it. You should totally do it. I mean, the thing is, too, and and we were we were talking about this a little before recording, like because we've been involved on on all sorts of different projects at this point, right? How now having have run a course slash coaching program like we did refresh, you know, back in 2020, that worked because it was 2020, right? I didn't have anything to sell. There was nothing to sell. And in hindsight, like when it was all said and done, I was like, whoo, I mean, I love the connections I made and it was great. And it was a good experience. But the amount of work involved was so daunting. Like, first of all, it wouldn't even be possible to do something like that again. And I wouldn't want to, even with four, four very capable people splitting the workload. It was like, ooh. So, I always have to chuckle to myself a little. I was telling you before we hit record, a friend of mine kind of low-key pitched a like, what if we did this? And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you have any idea the time that that requires? (laughs) No, you don't. Or else you wouldn't be suggesting it. (laughs) Yeah, you have no idea. You have no idea. I mean, the the time spent on every, especially now, right? That's sort of the uh, weird Catch 22, I think we find ourselves in as business owners currently is, you know, back when I was starting my my business, yeah, social media marketing was a huge thing. And if I had figured out how to do it, it would have been successful for me. I didn't know how to do it. And it was fine because I could still just like call people and they would pick up and I would go and show up with cookies. And it, that sounds, oh, I don't want to do that. But you know what? Honestly, in hindsight, the only thing I had to get over was my fear of walking into the room. That was yep. it. That was the only barrier to doing that. Versus now, yeah, you can keep things low key, but you have to have some sort of a presence somewhere. And there's a there's always, I don't know, marketing just has so many more steps now. We have all these tools available to us, but it's like, here's all the tools. Now use them all. And it's just so time consuming. <laughs> So you just brought up a good point of the fear of walking into these agencies. I think that when you are doing the work, it looks like getting yourself out there on a regular and consistent basis, both personally and professionally, your job in the first few years of business is to make connections, plant seeds. Like imagine we are farmers and the first Mm -hmm. three years of business is just us with this vast new piece of fertile land. Yeah. And we don't know what to do. We have to start by planting seeds, right? Teresa, in a different conversation, gave us a super good analogy to like us having this crazy season of summer right now where we're both planning and helping travelers travel. And that has has really kind of turned all of us upside down of like it's too much to handle all at once. Yeah. And she was like, farmers plant a season, they harvest, and then they rest. When yeah. is our resting season? And I was like, <gasps> 
when is our resting season? Yeah. And so like, if we just turn this entire entrepreneurial journey into like a farm analogy, it makes a lot of sense. And that's how I, I think of my business and I grew up on a farm. Like I do. Me think too. Of, yeah. <laughs> I live so, in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. So it, that this makes sense to us, right? Like where, yeah, where is that time of rest? Where is that we have worked this field to death and now we need to move to fresh land like and, exactly. re- and start over and tend to those seeds. You can't just plant them and walk away. You got exactly. you got to so, put the work in. You talked a lot about doing the work. I think identifying your fear and figuring out a way to work through that fear is really 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 important in those early years of entrepreneurship. That fear is going to be different for all of us and I don't want to say like just ignore your fear and do it because that's ridiculous, but like figure out how to work through or work around your fear to ensure that the fear doesn't stop you. When there are statistics about, you know, most people most businesses fail, what is the time period that they usually give when they say that? Is I think it 5 years? Is it 3 yeah, years? 5 years. I can't remember the benchmarks, but it's like by the time you get to five years, it's like over half at least. I think it's even more. I think it's more, yeah. I would venture to say that those businesses that don't make it to five years, there's a lack of focus Mm -hmm. and there's a lack of a willingness to step outside your comfort zone. And that is just figuring a way around your fear. You, You have to be able to step outside your comfort zone to make it work. And in order to stay focused and step outside your comfort zone, you've got to love what you're doing and you've got to know why you're doing it. Yeah. All of these things are connected. And the final thing that I would throw out there of like in those first few years to help you stay focused and to help motivate you to step outside your comfort zone is you have to track your numbers. And I Mm -hmm. think that that sounds intimidating. Not everyone loves numbers. Or if you don't want to track numbers, that's fine. But you've got to find your motivating force. For me, my numbers were my motivating force. So numbers and progress and quote unquote success happens incrementally. It happens slowly and surely. It doesn't just one morning you wake up and you receive a $15,000 commission check. That's not how it works. It happens very, very slowly. And so from day one, when all of my numbers were zero, I was tracking how much did I earn this month in research and design fees, which meant fees equal new inquiries equal clients saying yes to working with me. I didn't necessarily want to see that growing every month. I wanted to see like a little bit of consistency. So it was kind of like if you're charging a $250 fee and you have a, a you earning $1000 a month, that's telling you that four new inquiries are coming every single month. Yeah. that you're working on and that you're closing and you're working towards. So for me I wanted to see like a minimum plus like consistency in those numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the second number I was always tracking was what was the total revenue in itineraries or like in trips closed this month? So did I close $50,000 in travel? Did I close $20,000 in travel? Did I close $80,000 in travel? Because that number was important to me because it showed me that people were saying yes to paying my fee and then they were closing. And that's a really important metric to see. And if you close sales, that is essentially a marker for the future commission you will earn. Yeah. So basically every single month I was checking how many new inquiries did I receive? What did I close in sales? And making sure that that was meeting like a minimum threshold and your minimum can be zero when you're getting started. But then also making sure that it was either remaining consistent or slowly incrementally growing. And you're not going to notice incremental increases unless you are tracking on a monthly basis. Yeah. And those incremental increases served as my motivation to keep up with 
staying focused and doing the work in those first few years. Those numbers were telling me, you're doing something right. Keep going. You're doing something right. Keep it up. Just go to that next networking event. I don't know if that new inquiry was related to last week's networking event, but this is working. Just keep getting out there. Yeah, That's what motivated me personally for those numbers. Yeah. For me, it was so year one when my numbers were zero. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like in a, a low place, to be honest, those first few months in, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, this is embarrassing. That's how I felt. Like I was like, I was mostly embarrassed. I was like, this is embarrassing yep. that I'm not, yep. I didn't like walk out the door and start a successful business. Which <laughs> is so, so dumb you, looking you back. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so ridiculous. And that was, honestly, that was what motivated me to like, that was my fear is really like talking to people and putting myself out there. And and as someone who's always worked on the supplier side, my job is in the background. Literally, I was like, no one knew I existed. I had all this experience and no one knew I existed. And I had to make a decision that was like, this might fail, but it's not going to be because I didn't try. And if I can't make sales because no one knows I exist, that's why I'm going to have to make these calls. So my first metric was like, I'm going to visit every agency yes. I can drive to yes. with, within this time period. And it didn't pay off until the next year because that started in the spring and early summer of when was that event? 2014. So because of the sales cycle... Yes, for, for yes. Ireland. They're not calling you until the end of that year. They're not calling the until the end. Season. Yeah. So I, I, I had, I don't know, maybe three trips or something that fall, like nothing. And then it paid off. I spent that whole year doing that. I went to a show. I went, it was in Vegas. It was a luxury travel exchange back in the day. I went and did this show and I felt absolutely ridiculous. I brought my brother with me. We set up my booth and then like, you know, like two booths down, just like freaking Delta. And we're just like in there like, okay, well, <laughs> cool. I'm totally prepared, everyone. Don't worry about it. And yep. with brochures that I printed myself and folded up a whole thing. And I was like, okay, this is overwhelming. Because again, putting myself out there at that time was terrifying to me. And I was like, I just have to, you just have to like buck up and get through it, right? These two days of showing. And I took the pressure off a little. I was like, just connect with who you can connect with and don't worry about the rest. And I I got a handful of agents yep. that directly resulted in business that paid for the show yep. and brought an ROI in the next year. So the next year I did have sales, but I didn't have sales. Like I basically had nothing for a full calendar year. Do you know how like hard it is to keep waking up and keep being yep. the person that's like, it's really I, hard. yeah, like I'm going to be positive enough today to show up with stress sweats and cookies yep. and hope for the best. <laughs> for anyone listening, like this is hard. I don't know anyone who describes this part of the work and no. is like, oh, I really loved that part of starting my business. That <laughs> mm-hmm. was great. And if they do say that, then they probably shouldn't be a travel advisor. They should probably work in sales yeah. for like a supplier because yeah. that's what you know salespeople do all the time. Just know that we're in it with you. Yeah. We get it. We've been there. We're still doing it. Everyone is doing it. Like you're not alone in hating these things. You're not alone in knowing that you have to do it. You're not alone in, you know, being nervous or, you know, feeling a little bit anxious about these types of things. Like you're not alone and you have to do it. Yeah. I don't know anyone who runs a successful business because they stay at home all the time and they don't get out there to meet anybody. You have to do it. 
Then the third number that I would add, once you're like a year into business, you got to let the first full year go by, but then start tracking how your new inquiries find you specifically to track the repeat and referral business. So we've done a couple workshops, Karine and I, in the past where we asked people about their repeat and referral numbers. And some of the numbers, like the percentages of like 20% of my business is repeat and referral or 80% is repeat and referral. If you are doing something like honeymoons and destination weddings, then your repeat and referral, that's that's not going to feel as important to you because most people do that trip once and then they're done. And they might refer you business, but you're not going to have the repeat business, right? Whereas if you are more of a globally focused travel advisor, you want both repeat and referral. So whatever metric or measurement makes most sense for your business, you need to track that because that right there is not just the health of your business today. That is the health of your future business. And that right there is if your numbers, if your brand new inquiries of like, oh, they found my website or, oh, they found me in town because we both live in the same city and I came up on a Google search. If those random inquiries are more than 50% of your total inquiries, I would then go back and say, what can I do to further encourage repeat referral business? But it's not just about encouraging them. It's not about sending them an email and saying, hey, if you have any friends or family, send them my way. It's going all the way back to the beginning to look at what's in your control in the service and the process that you provide and the ultimate trip experience that you provide. That should automatically instill in someone to want to come back to you and to refer business to you without you asking. Yeah. And so if those numbers aren't there, we're going back to the foundation of your business to see what we can do to improve that because those are the most important seeds you can plant. Yeah. And I believe that those are the seeds that you and I are benefiting from today. Yeah. Which is enabling it to look like we're quote unquote doing it all. It's we're yeah. not doing it all. We planted seeds and we tended them and we cared for them and we continue to find ways of how can we serve these same clients better and better and better to the point yeah. that neither one of us, we don't market anymore because our yeah. repeat and referral business is so strong. Yeah. That's all of our business. Yeah. I would say that planting those seeds, getting out there. Yeah. Step one, that's doing the work. And then the next step of doing the work is doing a good job when they come to you. Exactly. That's the ultimate like getting referral, getting repeat business is that they had a good experience working with you. And that doesn't come from all the other shiny things. That is head down in the weeds, just doing the old fashioned, boring ass work of the job. And that's it. Yeah. I am constantly preaching under promising and over delivering Mm -hmm. and exceeding expectations. I think that just like you said, you have to put yourself out there and do the work. And then as soon as they come to you, this is your time. Yeah. When they email you and they say, Hey, we met at such and such networking event or so-and-so gave me your name. This is your time to shine. This is when you stand in superwoman power pose for five minutes before you get on that discovery call. This is the time right now that matters because first impressions matter and you want to under promise and over deliver and exceed expectations from that first discovery call all the way through to the end of their trip. And when you do that, more often than not, your repeat and referral seeds will grow. Yeah, It will take time. You're not going to see those repeat and referral seeds growing and thriving for another two or three years because it takes time. But that is what sets you up for success five years down the road. And I think a, a way to look at getting this, because this is like as a supplier who sold sales primarily to advisors, 
This is the way I looked at it. And I think it would, I think it could translate for advisors selling direct to consumer, which is in those early days when I was just trying to build, build that snowball, right? To get it rolling and to, to get enough referrals. Thank you for the snowball analogy. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's getting that there was for me, what I looked at was like, I knew, I knew I could do a good enough job that if I got one advisor from a new agency, it was done. I had that agency because they would have a good experience and they would tell their colleagues in that same office. Yes. So my goal each year was like, I can't just rely on these repeats because when you sell to advisors, I do get repeat business. Maybe you sell three trips to Ireland this year, but next year, maybe you only sell one because that's not a primary focus in your business. So that, that number can vary. But if I'm getting all the business from your office, that expands that out in such a major way. And so the way I would translate this, if you're an advisor and you're like, well, not all my clients work together in an office. They kind of do though. They have their friend groups, they have their family. So whenever you can get an outside new client who is kind of like a little a bit of an outlier, friend of a friend situation, then yeah. that opens up for you to like, then they're going to tell their coworkers, their friends, their family. So kind of look exactly. at it as getting like these little pods, so to speak, yeah, of new people. Exactly. Exactly. And the snowball analogy is the perfect one. And this is why it's so connected to the numbers that I was tracking from the very beginning. As I remember very early on, I don't even remember who it was, whether it was a supplier or another advisor who was just, you know, had more experience in the industry. They just told me that building a business is like a snowball. It is going to start essentially non-existent and really, really small at the top of the hill. And it's just going to start rolling down the hill. And as it rolls, it's going to pick up more snow and it's going to pick up speed and it's going to pick up more snow and get bigger. And so I remember in the first two or three years of my business, I was always like, well, I keep hearing about this snowfall of a snowball effect, but I'm waiting to see it happen. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> you know, just kind of the same of when I had a newborn who wouldn't sleep and everybody kept saying, it'll get oh better. And I'm like, God. so I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when does that happen again? <laughs> yeah. You guys keep telling me, oh my gosh. Every time I think about the newborn days, I'm like, I would count down every week. I was like, okay, all right, we're in week seven. Anytime now, pal, anytime. <laughs> no, no, all right, it's not seven. It's not seven. It's all right. Eight. Eight's our week. Eight's our week. <laughs> yeah. So that was me in the, when I was, when I had a baby of a business, I keep hearing about this snowball effect and that's just goes back to these numbers. It's incremental growth. And now my snowball is rolling. It's so big and so fast that yeah. this goes into the next phase of how you and I do it all is that we are saying no more than ever. And I'm saying no personally and professionally, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm saying no in all sides of my business and all sides of my life, mm-hmm. because I now am more focused than ever on doing things that fill my cup and that feed my soul. And if that inquiry doesn't match that, if that friends party on a Saturday night doesn't match that. I'm not going. Yeah. I'm not going. And that is, I think, another key into why it might look like we're doing it all is because we are saying no a lot. All the time. All the time. And I want to point out, saying no to things that are good ideas. Saying no to things that I would want to do. We've talked about projects in the background that I know are going to go on to be very successful. And then I'm like, do I have the bandwidth for this now? And will Katie a year from now be stretched too thin? 
or will I be still able to like get through and thrive a little bit? And the answer is like, I can't, I can't. So it's not just saying no to something where it's easy to say no. Because it's like a bad idea or that's a bad inquiry with a low budget. It's not about that. No. You and I have talked about multiple projects. Yeah. And that in the background, we both, we, we have the ideas, we have the voice text back and forth and we yeah. take down the notes and we get all excited. And then we sit with it for a few days Yeah, and we really check in with our current energy levels. We really check in with all of these other projects and these other businesses that fill our cup and feed our soul. And suddenly that puts that new idea into perspective yeah. of saying, this is a great idea, but I don't, I simultaneously don't have the bandwidth and these other projects fill my cup a little bit more right now. And so I'm going to continue to prioritize those. Yeah. Yeah. It's say, yeah, you have to say no when it's not easy to say no. Exactly. When it's when when something you would really want to say yes to, but it doesn't always, and it gets this, it happens more. I'm sure this is the same for you. It keeps happening more. The further I am in my business and experience, because my relationships and connections in the industry have grown I have gotten more. I get They're more. They're blossoming. Opp- They're yeah, flourishing. We're flourishing. We're growing. And I get more and more opportunities. And it's like stuff I would have loved. And like I'm like, oh, man, year yes. two me would have jumped on this immediately. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yep. I, I can't. I just can't do it, you know? And I guess a good problem to have, but it's a difficult it, it is. mental exercise. This happens with fams. I think that there's, I mean, today's conversation is about how we do it all, but I think it's so similarly related is, well, how do you get 15 fam invitations per year? Yeah. Well, because I planted the seeds and I built a lot of relationships and I got myself out there and I'm, these fams match my clientele and I say no to 14 of them. Well, wouldn't that be a nice problem to have? Well, let's not diminish all the seeds that I planted seven years ago. Yeah. If you can you can do that too. Everybody can do that, but you have to plant the seeds and then you have to be patient and you have to remain focused. And yeah. that I think is the hardest part about being an entrepreneur is you have to do the work and then you have to be patient. And yeah. there is no replacement for just being patient and staying focused. There is no mm-hmm. magical solution to make this go faster. You mm-hmm. just keep doing what you're doing and watch out, world. I yeah. can see the advisors that are coming up. They don't know they're coming up. They don't think they're coming up, but I can see them because I can see that they're doing the work. Yeah. it's a, And you have to trust it. You have to trust the process and keep on. And it's funny, the more that we're talking, there's an obvious theme coming up of what the work really is, is building relationships. Yep. And every yep. every single thing else in your business, every other task in your business and stuff that you will become good at as you go when you are already planning trips and you you could take on a little more. So, okay, I can really learn a little more about marketing right now. I can, you know, add to your skill set. It becomes easier. Everyone who's like, how do I get more followers? How do I get more people to listen to my podcast or people to follow me on Instagram or people to sign up for my email list? It is so much easier to do that when you already have a bunch of connections and it is a false equivalency for you to show up in the industry and not know anyone and compare yourself to someone who's been doing it for 10 years and has real life relationships behind the scenes with people all over the world in the industry who, of course, as soon as they pop up a social media account, they're going to have a lot of followers and then it's easier to build from that. So like 
everything you do will become easier if you have those relationships, every part of your business. And if you are starting your business like most people are with zero relationships, that's the work. You have Mm -hmm. to go forge those relationships and build those connections. And then I think, yes, but I don't want to, you said that it's all about building relationships. I don't want to diminish that once that relationship is built and they come to you, you have to deliver. Mm. Success in entrepreneurship is building relationships and delivering and then do it again. And again, yeah. and get better at it and do it again and do it some more and be patient and stay focused and then do it some more. Yeah. And yeah. you will become someone in five, seven, or 10 years that someone looks at you of like, oh man, I don't know how you do it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it, right? Like that's the the best marketing is doing a great job. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly. The, and then you get to different places in your business and in your life where it's okay for your focus to change. I think in the early days, you have to focus on planting those seeds and getting that growth because that will open up the door for options later where right now I'm honestly, I'm trying to see how, like how little can I do? What's the least I can do? And in a way that feels fulfilling and is profitable. Yep. But like, can I, how ruthless can I be? Can I really not get distracted? Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you love today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who's ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to beamasterintravel.com. On our website, you'll find a free resource library for travel advisors, free community forums where you can ask questions and support your colleagues, and courses and workshops in the Academy Marketplace to support your learning and development as a business owner and as a professional travel advisor. On our website, you can also learn about the Masters in Travel community and Think Tank, a private community where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join our community at beamasterintravel.com.